don't go after the wrong person or you just look like a dick and you look like an idiot. And there are a lot of dicks and idiots out there. Just don't be one. And it's really easy this day and age to not be a dick or an idiot. It takes two seconds. Just take your time so you don't hurt the wrong person. My guest today went to bed one night, just like any other night, but she woke up to her surprise, a racist. Because while Rachel Nichols slept, a different Rachel Nichols, a high profile reporter for ESPN, was in the process of, and is in the process of, being canceled. In a stunning and terrifying case of mistaken identity, my guest became a target of the swift and brutal mob justice that's become all too normal in today's society. Hundreds and hundreds of tweets, ads mentioned, all aimed at her, all deciding, wrongly, that she was a piece of shit. And as unfortunate and horrendous as the situation is for my friend Rachel, I find it extremely powerful and important that we talk about it, that we discuss in real time what it's like to be canceled, what it's like to be wrongfully accused of something, and end up on the receiving end of a justice system that's becoming increasingly unjust, and a shoot first, ask questions later mentality that's poisoning our society. I'm excited to talk with Rachel and get a real-time, real-life example of the problems that arise when we take power too far, and the solutions we can find to move us back into a more hospitable and humane place. So please welcome my friend, the wonderfully talented, but unfortunately named Rachel Nichols. Go quick, take a deep breath of me in. <sighs> Two more in. I just like to get centered. One more in. And out. Good morning. <laughs> and here we are. Hello, hello Rachie. Hey there. How are you? It, it's good to see you. Good to see you too. <laughs> uh, un- under weird circumstances. Ah, you know, what isn't weird? It's all good. We're, we'll figure it out one step at a time. Life is weird. Um, what's interesting is um, I, normally, I normally introduce people as like the one and only blah, blah, blah. But as we learned this week in stunning fashion... <laughs> That you are not the one and only Rachel Nichols. No. Um, no. And so I've teed it up a little bit in the intro about what's going on with you. But why don't you, if you will, start us with like what you woke up to and what that's been like. Um, so a week ago, a week and a day ago, um, I was, it was, it was the 5th of July. Um, my husband and I had gone down to visit friends in La Jolla, California. We brought the dog. We had a great day on the beach. And I wake up on Monday, and the first thing I see are texts from my friends on the East Coast, my best friends on the East Coast, saying, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm so sorry this is happening. Let me." And I had no idea what they were talking about. And so I kind of wrote back to a couple of them, and then I was looking on social media, and I I I just opened Twitter and I had hundreds of, of ads, you know, of comments. And that's, I'm not that fancy. I don't usually have that many people, um, tweeting at me on a, on a Sunday and Monday. Um, and it was hate. They were all hateful. It was all calling me a racist, telling me my career was over. There were a couple ones that, um, 
basically told me to kill myself. I mean, it was just, it was just, it was shocking and my heart sank and I had no idea what was going on. And then I went, oh no, this is about the other Rachel Nichols, um, the ESPN reporter, Rachel Nichols, who I've never had any interaction with. Um, I don't know anything about her. I can't speak anything about her, obviously, but we have the same name. And um, what happened was I got attached to all of these articles written about a situation that she had. Um, but my picture, my picture was attached. We look nothing alike. Um, and people kept retweeting it and retweeting it and retweeting it with my picture attached and my Twitter handle attached. And I was just getting slayed and it was horrifying. That is, that is nuts. It's, it's such a, it's not a, I want to say it's such a crazy story, but it's not. It's really indicative of, we, uh, currently there, there is, there's a little bit of shoot first, ask questions later that has, that has arisen, right? And that's kind of why I'm excited to have you on in a way, you know, sad for your story and for that happening. And hopefully it clears up, you know, in due time, but like, you know, to, to wake up to that, to, to have that in your life, what is that? What does that feel like? Um, I wanted to throw up. Frankly, that was the first instinct. It's like I think I might throw up. Um, being wrongly accused and then attacked so voraciously and so viciously and so quickly, literally while I was asleep at night. I mean, it. It. I was devastated. I was grateful for my husband, and he got super fired up. And then the the other part is my mom called me because she gets Google alerts for my name and she knows there's another Rachel Nichols out there, but she gets Google alerts for my name and she woke up to the same thing in the Google alerts and she was clicking on it. And my mom is 71. She's not on Twitter. She's not on social media. So she was like, oh my goodness, what's, what's happening? Why is, why am I waking up to this? And my daughter's picture's attached, but I know it's not her because I know that my daughter does not report for ESPN. Um, and so my poor mother, I, and that was the part that worried me the most. She was so upset. And I was like, mom, it's not me. I'm going to handle it. I'm going to handle it. We're going to figure this out. Um, thankfully, I have a lot of followers on Twitter that knew that it wasn't me. And so they tried to help me retweet, this is not me. Uh, the hashtag wrong Rachel Nichols was trending yeah. because I attached it to to every tweet, to every person attacking me. I love it. I love that. I love that you change your Twitter handle. Your Twitter in all caps says not ESPN reporter Rachel Nichols. And I was dying. Yeah, because I even I, I was like how she has like a million followers or 800,000 followers. I have 80 or 70,000 followers. How is my name when you type in when you're searching for someone you want to spew vitriol at when you're searching for Rachel Nichols on Twitter? Why is it mine that comes up first? She's the one yeah. with more followers. Norm, normally, you would want yours to come up first, and this time you're like, "Please yeah, come up no. second." <laughs> no, please, please, I uh, please come up second. So it was just, you know, it felt I felt really vulnerable, and um, I didn't know how to fix it. And the more I tried to do damage control, even though it wasn't me, obviously, the more people were retweeting and retweeting and retweeting. And I mean, I could probably look on Twitter now, uh, eight days later, and. I would still have people telling me ESPN fire you like 
all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, I would still yeah. have it, even though we've done as much damage control as we can, because I just thought I, I don't, this isn't me and I don't want to be, this is a horrible case of mistaken identity for the most part. Yeah. And, and, and let's speak to that really quickly because, you know, it is a case of mistaken identity, right? And in that case, maybe it'll blow over and whatnot. But the reality is, is you got to see the reason I'm ex like excited or I like to, I wanted to talk to you is we get, this is a firsthand account of a real human being, right? Who gets to explain to us who just see it out there. It's out there, right? Mm -hmm. um, what it's like to be accused of being a racist and how sticky that is and how even though it's not you, that it doesn't just turn around and everyone apologizes and then and then fixes it. Um, no, there's real time. Re there's real time repercussions to us jumping onto somebody, um, joining the mob and deciding that somebody's time has come. And I think that's an important and I don't care where you're coming from. I don't care what side of any arguments you're on. It's an instinct, this underlying urge to destroy people or ideas or whatnot yeah. that we need to have bigger conversations about. I completely agree because I, and I know that it's happened before and I know it'll happen again. And, and, and this is the thing, people, you, you get on the bandwagon so quick. I even had some people double down and insist that it was me and that I was lying. Insist that it was me because it was my picture. Insist. and. And I just said, finally, and somebody tweeted at me a couple days ago, and they basically were like, anybody that comes at you, just block them. That's the way to just block them. You don't have to answer for their snap judgment on you and their uh, misguided attacks on you and their inability to actually do. I had journalists that attacked me, people that called themselves journalists attacked me, and I what? Do you not do your due diligence? Listen, I mean, we look, anyway, it was, it was, it was very frustrating. And to be fair, like nowadays, technically I'm, I, I'm a journalist. I don't I like, that's got such a blurry line. What, a, <laughs> what an esteemed, what an esteemed job that is no longer very hard to be qualified for. And it, and it should be like real journalists. I think we need to hold quality, honest people with integrity journalists up. They should be paid so handsomely because yeah, it's just, so necessary and and my my whole thing was um you tag this person excuse me absent-mindedly and it's happened before before this whole storm blew up i mean i've been tagged for hey you did a great job hosting the jump last night mm, not me <laughs> i don't respond to those because i'm just like dude figure it out and if you're to respond I mean, figure it out. If you click on my my Twitter handle, now it says not ESPN reporter. Um, but even before, I'm, I'm an actress. and not, I, Listen, I would love to report for ESPN, but I am not qualified. Yeah. Um, you hear that ESPN? You got a new Rachel Nichols <laughs> ready, to, ready to take that slot. <laughs> I would totally, if I had any idea. I could probably report on football, not basketball so much. But um, yeah, it's that it's that. Snap decision to just go after someone because you're behind your computer screen. You don't feel like you have to do any research on it. You tag this handle and you just go to town. And I actually, somebody tweeted at me, um, hey, here's the guy who published that, uh, who published the article, but he published it for the rap. And mm -hmm. I tagged him in a tweet 
because it was his name that was attached to the article that IMDb published with my picture. And I tagged him in a tweet and he actually reached out to me and he said, listen, here's my original article from The Wrap. It was not a picture of me. It was a picture of her. IMDb picked it up and ran with a picture of me. So actually he helped me attempt myriad times to get IMDb to correct their mistake because he was like, I wrote this article. I knew it wasn't you. I know who you are. I know who she is. And I attached a picture of her. And he go, he told me that this has happened multiple times with IMDb. They, it's an algorithm. Eh, whichever Rachel Nichols or Michael Jordan or whatever comes up first, that's the image they go with. And that's what happened to me. Oh, that's so interesting. That's even worse too. Cause like even that guy, you can't even get mad at him essentially. No, and he was so sweet and he was so helpful. And he said, I'm trying to contact IMDb because I wrote this article and I did not attach a picture of you and you're being attacked and I'm being attacked. And he was lovely. And I was really grateful for that because I needed help. <laughs> I mean, that's that's great. And like like I said, this is it goes back to, yeah, this is a specific specifically a case of mistaken identity, but it's indicative of a larger thing. So like. And, and, you know, I told you we were, we were talking earlier, like, I'm not here to get you mired into these controversies and, and whatever the actual ESPN reporter Rachel Nichols did. You guys can debate about that listeners online about what you thought about it and whether you thought it was racist or not. Or, or everyone deserves to get canceled. But the reality <laughs> is, but the reality is we're not I'm not here to argue that anyone shouldn't be held accountable for their actions. Right. right. I don't care what the situation is. Accountability for our actions is super important. Integrity is super important. Um, I think what we what what we fall into the trap of is a like something like this, the mob mentality and also making up meaning for other people's actions and intentions. Right. The idea yeah. that it's easy for us to know nothing about this. Like it's two seconds of Googling and they'll learn a lot more. And that's not even just with this thing, with, with any situation of just hearing about a thing and deciding that, you know, what this person's intentions and actions are. And then and then deciding how do we sometimes performatively, sometimes whatever, how do we how do I get on that? How do I show people that I'm against that? Mm -hmm. And it's like a it's a good instinct um, to want to write injustices. But I think it's taken a really weird turn lately. I would completely agree with you. And because I feel the same way. I mean, I, 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 I. My t my Twitter feed, if you look at it, is 90% of me telling stories about being pooped on by a bird um, or yeah. <laughs> some, I'm not super political. I'm not, I don't go after people unless they're attacking me, obviously. Um, I'm, I keep it lighthearted. Um, and that's, that's what I choose. Now, other people choose the social media platform for very political views or, you know, attacking people or whatever. And I'm, I'm not going to speak to any of them. I'm just going to speak to myself and anybody, anybody who had done two seconds on Twitter and seen my account and the other account would know who was who, but people just yeah. didn't take the time. It's that herd mentality. One person, what it's like, you know, what is it? A butterfly flapped its wings and it caused a tsunami on the other side of the world kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what it felt like. Even if like one person, I mean, many people retweeted it, but 
even one person and then someone retweets that person and then 10 people retweet that person and it grows exponentially and it's a tsunami and you, there's nothing you can do about it. There's no accountability. Everybody's behind their computer screen and they can say whatever they want. And that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also somebody, I was listening to a podcast the other day and somebody said that Twitter should come with a warning the same way cigarette packs do. And it should say 99% of people of actual people aren't on Twitter. Because the reality is a lot of this does live in a world and you who is on Twitter feel it because a lot of these people involved are, they all have opinions and they need to be seen and the end and they're, you know, it's a really weird mix of like righteousness and things and and you're not on there to not be known, right? People aren't on Twitter to not be known. So when something happens, it's like, yes, I'm going to attach myself to it. I'm going to have an opinion on this. I'm going to tell people how I feel about this because I want my opinion to be the one that everyone likes and agrees with. Sure. And and um, you were just on the weird receiving end of that. Yeah. You're on the dark side of that. And I mean, there's also been, I've got a couple rules when it, when it comes to social media. Um, I don't swear. I do have young followers. I don't feel like, swearing is necessary um i also i anybody who sends anything like tweets anything sort of sexually explicit at me um Mm -hmm. i block them immediately because i don't deal with that at all so i've i've always had like a very heavy hand when it comes to just immediately blocking people reporting them for saying inappropriate things or whatever but this was the first time it was just out of control and i felt like i had to respond to everybody and try to correct, change the narrative and adjust the scenario because, I mean, I felt like I was going to vomit and I, I, my mom's calling me and my friends from the East Coast. And so this was the first time because it was such a tsunami that I felt like I had to pay attention to it. Whereas usually I would have just blocked people, but this was different. This was, this might actually have, you know, had an effect on my career if, someone who's hiring me for a movie and they, you know, type in Rachel Nichols racist or whatever. And then my picture comes up. That's a big problem for me. And it's unjust. Yeah. You, you are, this is a, you know, it can affect your career and your livelihood. And people are experiencing that a lot sometimes on a lighter note though. Can we just talk about the fact that your mom gets Google alerts for you? I mean, by the way, listen, I mean, she is, my parents are amazing. They live in Maine in the house that I grew up in. They've been married for 45 years. Um, and my mom, since she's not on social media, but there are two things that she does um, without, with, without question, without fault, constantly. And I am 41 years old. My mother still gets Google alerts on me. And she tracks all of my flights. So I tell her which flight I'm on. Because I, I have a fear of flying. I'm not a great flyer. So I always talk to my parents. Now I talk to my husband, but growing up and when I was flying alone, I would always talk to my mom right before I left on a flight and she would have all the information for the flight so she could track it in the air and make sure that I landed safely. And she, she still does it. And I love what her What a gem. It. What know, a gem. Old Allison Nichols. Did you watch Lost? Yes. I did. did that destroy you? Did that make your fear of flying better or worse? Oh no. It uh it made it worse. I um <laughs> I'm not, I'm just not a great flyer. I'm great if my husband is with me, because uh, he totally knows. And um, you know, a couple pre-flight 
screwdrivers and a nap is usually how I roll onto a plane. Um, but I've had some very close calls and I've been in airplanes that um, lost an engine that had to make an emergency landing. And when I tell you the plane goes like this, I am not lying. I've had a um, plane get struck by lightning. Uh, by the way, you don't want to fly on the same plane as me. Well, I apparently maybe, have maybe it's you. <laughs> it's totally me. Totally <laughs> no, me. Wait, also your husband, like, I'm sure he's been very supportive, but do you think there's a part of him that's like, yeah, you should have took my fucking last name? Uh, oh, yeah. A hundred percent. What are you talking about? Listen. Yeah. I, I, and I love Kershaw and Kershaw is, is my last name. I kept the social, I kept my name on social because, well, it's, it's Tickle Nichols on Instagram because I lost a bet and. It's going to be that way forever. But I kept Rachel Nichols <laughs> professionally um, on Twitter. Um, and I have been trying, changing your name is very complicated, especially because the Canada, US, all the passports and everything. But yeah, he was basically like, hmm, told you. Yeah. yeah. And I, I get it. And he says it in jest. And he was trying to, you know, make me laugh because I was not doing well. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, he totally. <laughs> He's great. What a handsome man. Also, like, I love that you're like, I block all sexually explicit content. Find me at Tickle Nickels. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I lost a bet to my friend Jake Hoffman years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, he got to name my Instagram account. Good. Good namer. He should, is he a writer? Uh, yeah, he's a writer. He's a director. Uh, he's yeah, Dustin Hoffman's yeah. son. Oh, wow. He <laughs> nice. actually... He actually takes credit with discovering me because he cast me uh, in my first film, which was a student film because he went to NYU, my first film. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he gets, he gets credit for that because that was the first job I did. Good job, Dustin Hoffman's son. Jake. Jake. Good job, Jake. I discovered you as a human being in a, at, a, at a bar, at a restaurant I used to work at. And you used to come in. I think you were friends with our friend, mutual friend, Kylie. And I remember specifically... Like you were like, you were, you've been in stuff. You're a known person. You just did a movie with Bruce Willis. You got another movie coming out. But I remember meeting you and being like, Kyle, your friend's kind of cute. And she's, and then you were a famous person. And then you were <laughs> super nice. And I had not really known many famous people because I just moved to LA. And I was like, oh, this is, this is, they're regular, really nice people. And it was super <laughs> exciting. So thank you for being so, such a wonderful human being. Of course. Well, thank my parents because they did a good job. Yeah, and they still track your flights. And they still track my flights. <laughs> I want to kind of take this in, in a similar direction. So you started out modeling, right? Yeah. Were you modeling and then, and then, you, and then you were an actress? Well, I kind of started out, I graduated from high school in Maine, and then I was accepted and I went to Columbia University in New York City. And while I was there, my, um, partway into my sophomore year, I was scouted on the street and... But by the way, I have no idea what they saw in me. Um, but yeah, so it started with modeling and then I did commercials and then I, they said, do you want to act? And I said, yeah, sure. That's, that's how it rolled. Don't say that out loud because actors are going to fucking hate you. I did the same thing where like I accidentally got in a bunch of really well-paying commercials and my friends that went on auditions every day were like, go fuck yourself. So you're well, like, hey, I'll act. And now you're like, I oh, know I'm in G.I. Joe and Conan and all that shit. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, but initially I was like, I, the reason that I say, yeah, sure, is because I was saving money for graduate school. And my parents had said to me, 
listen, we will pay for your undergrad. Great. You want to go to business school at Columbia? You're going to pay for it. And at the time, I was working at Abercrombie & Fitch in the South Street Seaport in Manhattan. And I was like, this job is not going to pay for graduate school. Shocker. <laughs> Primarily because I spent my entire paycheck on Abercrombie & Fitch. So the whole modeling, commercial acting thing was, was always supposed to be a vehicle just to help me save money um, to go back to school. Were you gonna? Were we gonna be a doctor? Were you gonna be a doctor? No, I was gonna go to business school at Columbia. I wanted to do the whole fancy Wolf of Wall Street kind of thing, but yeah, yeah. I just would have loved to see Doctor Tickle Nichols. <laughs> Doctor Tickle Nichols. No, that sounds like a horrifying, horrifying like horror movie. It does. Let me. So let me ask you a question. So. And the reason, because it kind of ties back into how the, the why we're talking and how we started this podcast. You know, you're somebody who's been through Hollywood. You've been through your model and actress. So I'm sure you're not unfamiliar with, you know, whatever misogyny or sexism or whatever might be or not be rampant within the Hollywood system, right? So what I'm interested in, in for you from being on both sides of it, uh, the question being like, is it something you've encountered working in the, in Hollywood or working as an actress and a model? Of course. Yep. And age, as I've gotten older, when I was, when I was really young, when I started out, when I started out modeling, I was maybe 18. And there are a lot of models that start out earlier. I just thought these older guys just wanted to be like a father figure. I learned real quick. They were not looking for that. And, uh, it was horrifying. I'm very close to my dad and I was away and I was at school and I thought, oh no, these guys are just super nice and they just want to help. No, they don't. They really don't. Um, there have been some, some, you know, I mean, like I said, as I've gotten older, uh, I don't have to face that as much because I, I don't suffer fools. I don't take any bullshit. I will call anybody out on an inappropriate sexual advance or anything like that. But when I was younger, I was not as strong and I was not as confident. I, did, I wasn't as worldly and I mistook what I thought was kindness. I thought it was kindness and outreach for somebody grooming me. And I'm glad that I didn't, I didn't make a ton of mistakes, but I've got a handful that uh, I will never forget. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm sure that's, that's not an uncommon story. And also, you know, the, you said something really important, which was, I believed this was a different thing. And it's easy to look back. It's easy in hindsight, an armchair quarterback, somebody's decisions and be like, you knew, you knew it was going to happen. Somebody had a conversation with me the other day and they're like, when you go up into somebody's hotel room, you know, what's going to happen. I was like, no, you don't. You don't, you don't, you, you don't assume just because you're in a room with somebody. Sure, you could, sure, you could make sure you meet somebody in a public place or whatever. But if that's already your first instinct, maybe you shouldn't be meeting with that person. Right. But like, right. but there's like, it's not all, we have to give people, especially younger people, you're older, you've, you've seen more and done more. The uh, the ability to mess up and fail and to be naive and to not know things right and 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 yeah. kind of the benefit of the doubt in, in some of those situations and I think right now um, some people don't and that's that's a shame it's it's a shame to assume somebody's 
knew what was going to happen or you knew it was going to be shitty. You're saying firsthand is like, you're just, you're a child. And, and, and these are powerful people sometimes and, and people that you trust and think that they just want the best for you when they really want the best for themselves. Uh, and it takes years to, to, to fully understand that. And, um, you know, I, people do need to be able to make mistakes and I have made many of them. Um, my mom always joked, my brother, um, my brother made, make, made, made a ton of little mistakes, but when I made a mistake, it was a real big one. (laughs) So you were, you, you made the whoppers. Yeah. I, and, and I have very few whoppers, but I have whoppers. And I was actually talking to my brother earlier today and like 15 years ago, he got a DUI and he still lets it hang over his head. And I said, dude, you made a mistake. Luckily, nobody was hurt. Luckily, you weren't very far over the limit, just barely. You never did it again. And let it go. It's done. It's, it's, it, you made a mistake. He was a, like, he was barely legal to drink. Um, and he made a mistake and you may, everybody makes mistakes. Again, I'm not condoning it by in, in any sense of, of the word, but people fuck up. I've fucked up and, and, and you fuck up when you're young and you're naive and you don't understand, or you haven't had the life experience or world experience. And you need to be forgiven for that. And you need to give Forgive yourself for that, I found, is the most important. Absolutely. And listen, even if you're not, even if you are worldly, right? Even if you, and you don't have, you said you you don't condone it. You don't have to condone um, your brother's drunk driving or somebody making a mistake or saying something in the past that was racist or, or sexist or whatever that thing might be. But what I think is important is we leave room for, the missing part in that cycle is that forgiveness. It's like if people aren't allowed to make mistakes and then atone for it or do whatever they do, then like then like then the cycle's broken. Right? Then everybody then yeah. everybody's wrong forever and nobody and if we start down the path of um nobody's ever redeemable, very quickly we're all gonna be an unredeemable people yeah. and nobody's right. I had a I had a friend of mine that had so she was my, my old roommate Brittany. She was fantastic, and she is the lesbianist, the lesbianist lesbian. She was the lesbian <laughs> princess on BuzzFeed, like my favorite person in the world. Huge ally, big supporter of obviously gay rights and whatnot. And she had a podcast with a friend, and one of their sponsors was a it was like a tampon, whatever. Somebody's got to pay the bills. It was like a tampon company, and it's interesting because some people started coming at her. It was like it was like some a trans group was coming at her about how. The tampon company wasn't like supportive of the trans group because it said her or for women or something on it. Anyway, like I'm not going to get mired in this. This isn't the battle. The question was, Brittany was like, what are you coming at me for? Like I am the there's nobody more supportive of anything you're doing. Right. If I'm being attacked, who isn't? Right. And I think that's an important an important thing. So, so the reason I bring that up is like a lot of this exists on a spectrum. So you've you've like talked about Hollywood. You've been an actress, so you've been aware of you know uh, unwanted sexual advances. And I'm sure um, on the on the legal spectrum of things, there's things that are less bad and things that are horrendous, right? 
Where do you think that seeing it all fold out, seeing people like you recently being attacked for something that's not terrible and sometimes a mistake and people that honestly deserve um, what they deserve for being terrible people. How do you think we get better discernment or, or discover a healthier balance in how we decide these types of things? <sighs> That is like the most difficult question I've ever been asked in my entire life. Because answer it I, now and answer it immediately. Answer it now. Answer me. No, I'm just saying just because the the world of social media, I mean, I was alive before the internet. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just lay that out there. I mean, I grew up with not a cell phone. I remember I got my first email address when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, I wasn't raised in that realm of, you know, attack first, ask questions later, or the, you know, armchair quarterbacking or the, I'm, you know, I can say anything because I've got my computer screen to correct me. I, I wasn't subjected to that. And I don't know how well I would have fared. I was, I was skinny and dorky and bullied a lot. And, um, I don't think social media would have helped me be the person that I am today, to be honest. So to answer the question is people will argue, well, there's freedom of speech. That's the first thing people are going to jump to. Well, you can't limit people. Well, you can't block people or you can't, you can't, you can't sue people. It's freedom of speech. So someone can come on the internet and say anything about you they want, whether it's true or not, and it's freedom of speech. And if that's what they believe about you, then it's a-okay. And that's not, obviously, but how to regulate it. Mm -hmm. I find that um, I, you know what, I had had dinner last night with a recent co-star of mine and she's 23. And I was amazed by her poise and grace during the whole shoot because initially I thought, oh, 23, oh, she played my younger sister. She was so in tune and able to mon- I mean she's got millions of followers and she- but she's on it. She she's got a head for business, she knows what she's doing and I just thought, "Oh my gosh. Okay, so you're the kind of person that we need sort of pioneering something about about you know, reining in the massive attacks because she was 23 and she knows more of how to handle trolls and twerves and pervs and everything than than I do because she's just been in it and she's young and she's I'm not on TikTok. I don't know what that is. I mean I know what it is, <laughs> but I don't know what it is. But you know what I mean? Like my husband and I um we're we're we've decided to not have children. And so we joke that we're gonna have to hire our friends' children as we get older to help us with technology. And like and stuff like that. So I don't I don't know really how to adeptly answer the question because it's talking about putting limitations on things that many people will argue are limitless. Yeah, and and you're you're correct. And what I love about that story about the younger girl is, you know, a lot of people her age are not faring as well as she is. A lot of people are, like you said, when you were younger, growing up with the internet and and having to having everything out there and everything um, under the microscope with the fear of being, you know, we'll call it canceled or whatever it might be. And that's, that's terrifying, especially, you know, within your friend group, within society, and then in some cases throughout the world. Um, But so you said, you know, she should be pioneering and it's true. And and what we're actually talking about is, 
you know, the values and the virtues and the things that she holds to discern herself, to keep herself in a sense of balance and a sense of equilibrium in that world. Um, so you don't have, so you might not be able to answer the big question, but for yourself, how, how do you, how do you navigate? If something comes across your desk that seems charged and you're like, I don't know if this is true or not, should I, should I push this forward and get on board with it? Or should I do my due diligence? What do you do to keep against what happened to you happening? Literally, I, I, I love that you asked that because um, even before this whole fiasco, I would ne I wasn't I didn't jump on a bandwagon. I didn't jump on like just tag this person because or retweet this because no, no. you you have to do your due diligence. If if you have a voice and you want it to be heard and you want it to be correct and you want it to be respected, you have to do your work. You got to do your research and and if you're going to go at someone which still I'm I'm not touching the sub subject fully but don't go after the wrong person or you just look like a dick and you look like an idiot. And there are a lot of dicks and idiots out there. Just don't be one. And it's really easy this day and age to not be a dick or an idiot. It takes two seconds to, I, I, I just, just take your time so you don't hurt the wrong person. Not that I'm condoning you hurting the right person, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even in, on a deeper level, yeah, first of all, don't step one, don't don't hurt the wrong person. <laughs> step two, why are you out to hurt people, right? Step two is like, what is it you want? Because what's interesting in this whole process, whether it's this situation with you, whether it's um, any situation where somebody may be raked over the coals, it's like, what are we raking over the coals? Is it a human being? Is it an idea can we separate them? Because I think there's a space collectively to see these ideas or to see ideas that we can agree on or like not great. You know, when we talk about our politicians lie to us, I think I can talk to anybody and be like, do you think that's a good thing? And they'd be like, no, I don't want to be lied to by our leaders. I want integrity with the media. There's certain things that we can all. I don't want to be lied to in general. Just don't yeah, lie exactly. to me. Like, exactly. Like but what I mean is, what I mean is you can attack, you can attack a person that's lying to you for sure. But also let, the bigger picture is let's address lying or whatever that thing might be broadly across the spectrum. Sure. Not just when it's happening to you or your camp or it's like, no, if you see one of your, your peeps doing it, it'd be like, cut that shit out. You know, that's what I think we're missing. I do. And I think we're now such a society of cancel culture and jump, you know, like jumping onto an idea that is not our own, but we're just, everybody's doing it. So I need to do it too. So that like herding kind of thing, like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I limit the time, the amount of time I watch the news, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, I keep myself very updated, but at the same time for my own mental preservation, I'm not attached to CNN or Fox News or CNBC or anything all day long. Um, I'm smart enough to read and do my due diligence and do my research. And um, the part that scares me the most is that that bandwagon, misguided, unresearched, uneducated sort of thing that happens and it gets out of control. And I don't want to be lied to in general, but especially by 
people running our country or or you know people that that are are in politics like you're you're serving the country you shouldn't be serving yourself so what the fuck are you lying for oh because you want to serve yourself yeah it's what it comes down to Oh, am I not allowed to curse on this? No, no, I'm just kidding. You said you said the kid. You don't you don't curse on your social media. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I'm. This is different. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was such a poignant point. I cut you off. Um, <laughs> okay. No, you're you're. I just it's excited. I was like, ooh, Rachel. I I was hanging out with like a three year old yesterday who's like, <laughs> oh, you said a bad word. And I'm from New Jersey, so we're like every fourth word's a bad word. I got like a thousand dollars in swear. I, I have a potty mouth, just not. I just don't have a typing potty mouth. Maybe that's what it is. I love it. Um, no, you're you're right. Like the the those are perfect examples of very simple things to do to avoid getting mired in in this stuff. And you said something really interesting, which is uneducated. It's um. You said not uneducated and unread, but like the issue, the real issue is everybody is educated and well-read. The problem is, is we're being educated and well-read on opinions. You're going to go with everybody is educated and well-read? I'm saying is like, if oh, you're, like, if you, if, yeah, yeah, no, no. If, if you're boldly, you are getting in, you are getting information. Somebody you disagree with is getting information. And that information feels like facts. So it feels it feels like you're well, like you're learning. We all feel like we're learning a lot, but we're all learning a lot about what we already believe in and reinforcing that. And I think that's part of the problem. And I think that's what leads to what you said, that mob mentality is all of a sudden you got a bunch of people ready to go with the same opinions, same opinions, with the same talking points and with this, and now with the same aim, which is like somebody's head. Literally, there's a bullseye on someone's back. Yeah. And it's just like, let's go. Pew, pew, pew. And we're talking right now because that bullseye was your head, even if for momentarily, however this shakes out, it shakes out. And the roundabout, the kind of thing I want to I land on is, so you're, you're, you've been the recipient of cancel culture because people will argue that cancel culture is not a thing but they've tried pretty hard to end rachel nichols even though it was the wrong one um both of us both of us yeah both of us so so you've been on the receiving end it but also growing up in the business and understanding that some people deserve um to be held accountable for their actions um how does how does that sit with you um, are you more cautious about cancel culture? Do you, are there parts of it? Are there parts of it that you're like not cancel culture, but are there parts of that accountability that you're like I I I agree with this methodology of holding somebody accountable. I agree with this methodology of deciding that somebody um, deserves some kind of punishment for their action. That's not for me. Mob justice. It will always be on a case by case basis. Because every scenario, every situation, every this person is canceled is is different. They're like every issue is like a snowflake. No two are alike. So you've got to operate on a case by case basis. You can't just go on a platform of like, well, if this per if if a person does X, they're done. If a person does Y, we'll ask them some questions and maybe forgive them. If a person does Z, then they're in the clear. We can't do that. So it's got to be mm -hmm. on a case by case basis. And for me, I mean, I felt 
Listen, I felt terribly when I tagged the the reporter from the Wrap because his name was on the the IMDb article, and he came back and was like, "It wasn't me." And then I was like, "Fuck!" Again, I swear, uh, I swore. Uh, I I just I felt terrible because I went. I should have done more research, even though his name was attached to the IMDb article. If I had done more research, I would have found out that the original article was from the rap where he had a picture of the correct person. I could have reached out to him separately and said, this is how IMDb is portraying your story. I felt terribly. And so from this, from that point moving forward, I will be so much more cognizant. And I had already done, I'm a good with due diligence, but one person tweeted at me, this is the guy that wrote the article. And I went at him and at IMDb and I just went, you consider yourself a journalist? Really? You, and he was nice enough to understand where I was coming from. But I did this. I, so what I can say with all certainty is I think every person, and I know it's not going to happen, but should take that breath. Like literally, we started this podcast. Three big breaths. You center yourself. So before you go out and you offer someone up to the guillotine, take three big breaths, do some due diligence. I'm not saying attack people, but if you're going to, let it be the right one and for the right reasons. But think of this calming voice of the, well, the actress Rachel Nichols in your head and just take, take a minute because this world is so fast paced and everybody wants to get on that train and it's not the best idea. It is. It is not. It is not. Thank you, Rachel. And you, you just said something before we go that was really, really important. And you were about to say, in a way, I became the thing that I hated. Like you, yeah. you started to attack this person. And, you know, the other day at work, I did the thing where I, I went after somebody. I yelled at somebody for something and then and realized I was wrong pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. And... And I sat for it for a second. I went and I apologized. And, and and that's all you can really do. Like an apology goes a long way. It doesn't mean somebody's going to accept it. Um, it doesn't mean somebody's going to forgive you. But like you said earlier about your brother, you 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 apologize sincerely. You try to atone for what you've done. You, if you are if you do find yourself wronging somebody, you apologize. You you try to atone. And and, and at some point, hopefully, you can learn to forgive yourself. And if you're lucky, they'll learn to forgive you too. Well, that's, the, you know, and on a small scale, so the, what happened with that reporter, I immediately apologized and I said, I'm, I'm very, I'm very sorry. I don't want to embroil you in this. This is why I'm not even naming his name on this podcast because I don't, not my business that, I mean, like he knows who I am and he was very gracious and understanding and ex accepting and he helped me. But at work, I have something that I call the midday asshole wake up call. I'm not a morning person. Sometimes you're in the trailer in the morning and you're getting hair and makeup or there's someone that needs you or you're getting pulled here and you can like, you can snap at someone. And a little while later, you're like, wow, I was a real dick this morning. And I go up to that person and I will say, and it doesn't have to be this morning. It could be, I was a dick this morning. I said something. I go up to that person. I apologize every time. And I say, I'm sorry. I was... I was cranky this morning and I was a real bitch and I apologize. 
And if you go to a person and genuinely apologize to them because you know you've done something wrong, most people will say, unless it's egregious, like if I murdered your mom or something, I'm, I wouldn't expect you to forgive me. But if those, those little glitches, those little snaps, if you go up to the person, you just say, wow, I'm sorry. A, they're grateful. B, they've probably been concerned about it for most of the day because you, you know, and you get over it. And then it's, it's water under the bridge. But I think the first step is know how to apologize. Know how to know what you've done wrong and apologize uh, sincerely okay, because there's nothing worse than an insincere apology because then it's like, yeah, you what's can the feel point? It. Yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, like dismissive. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. Whatever. <laughs> sorry. Whatever. No, you go up to the person, you look them in the eye and you say, this is what I did. It was pretty crappy and I'm really sorry. I hope you can forgive me and we can move on. It's that simple. It's what, four sentences? Small sentences. But maybe that's the first step. It's a great, I think apologizing is a great step. And it's an, it's an energy exchange. You said something which was like, they're thinking about it too. We hold on, we know when we are in conflict with somebody. We know when we are out of alignment with a human being. And like you mentioned earlier, she mentioned the breathing. I, I teach yoga, so we do a little breathing before <laughs> the podcast just to center ourselves. And the reality is, those apologies or those moments where you sincerely connect with somebody allows you the space to let go of any stuck energy or any negative energy. And I think that's a powerful practice that you mentioned to be able to, in any situation, kind of kind of work through those, kind of get centered with yourself about what is really going on? What do I really want out of this situation? Why am I mad at this person? What's happening? How do we, how do we move forward together in a healthy fashion? Um, hopefully without destroying or canceling or going right. after somebody's head if it's unnecessary and unwarranted. And and if if you if you snap in the morning or the afternoon and you say something rude or you x y and z if it's still resting with you then it's still resting with that other person. And that's if you do some do you just I I feel like this whole sort of cancel culture and everything is it's like an anti-apology culture. Oh, apologizing makes me weak. No, it actually makes you stronger because you're admitting that you did something wrong or inappropriate or you upset another person. It, but there's such a there's such a stigma. Oh, well, I can't say I'm sorry. No, I have to double down and go harder in the paint. No, you really, you, you don't. But that's just me. I just, I just feel like an apology goes a long way. I, I agree. And I think in a sense, you said something great, which is it's a, it's a weakness. There is there is a weak in, in internal. Sometimes we're a little weak. Sometimes I'm, I'm very bad at confrontation. And what what's dangerous is allowing the power, the emboldened, the emboldenment. Is that a word? It's the going emboldening, to be. The emboldening the power, is definitely a word. The power and the emboldening of of a group of people. Um to to give you a power you don't des you don't deserve you know to get to get to make you feel more right and righteous i think that's right. an issue is all of a sudden when everyone agrees with you you can be as right and righteous as you want and there's little consequences because you hold the power because everybody says yes to you if no if, if there's nobody saying no and everybody's saying yes you just it's a snowball effect even if it's unjust and incorrect and wrong and everything you know, negative, 
if nobody's telling you no, sky's the limit. Keep on going. Or the toilet's the limit. Because uh, that's yes. where we're going. The toilet um, is the limit. The toilet of this, of that trajectory. <laughs> that is that is where we will go. Um, so keep on breathing. Um, Rachel, I mean, this has been great. I, I really yeah. enjoyed having you on here and, and chatting about it. So honestly and openly. And, and thankfully, while it was happening, while it's fresh, while you can speak to it from a point of view that's not colored by any other things right um yeah it's you're, you're present to it um so with that is there anything else you could say um as the recipient of these types of things that you, that might move anybody listening forward to avoid them doing this to another human being i think you've covered some good I ones already, I've, 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 I've covered it i just i wish people would if they they have an opinion about something or they want to go after someone again breathe Take a breath. Do your due diligence. Do you re- and also at the end of the day, do you really want to do this? Is is this attack or is this position or is this tweet? Is this a value add in your life or is it just vicious and you're mad at something else? So there's a lot of introspection that I think is important, which is look into yourself before you go after someone else. That's perfect. That's perfect, Rachel. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, this is so much fun. Being... I haven't seen you in thank so long. I know. It's been a minute. It's exciting to see you. I will be out in uh, Cali in a couple of weeks. I'm on my way to Hawaii. You'll have to come over. You'll have to come over and meet the puppy. To the to the the Kershaw residence. The Kershaw residence. I love it. Um, yeah. Real quick before we go, you have yeah. a movie coming out. You just yes. wrapped a movie. I just wrapped a movie called The uh, Last Will and Testament of Charles Abernathy. And um, it's Netflix. I don't know when it's coming out because they keep that stuff top secret. But um, I can say that the wonderful Bob Gunton um, played my father. And if you've ever seen The Shawshank Redemption, he plays the horrible, mean, evil warden. The warden? Oh, the warden yes. plays your dad? Yeah. Oh. He, he plays he plays Charles Abernathy. Um and he's lovely. And we had a wonderful time. And we shot in uh, on the island in Vancouver Island. We shot in Victoria. So it was nice to get back to Canada for a bit. Um, but yeah, so it's a very heightened family drama with a thriller twist. That I'm allowed to say. Yeah. Well, I'm glad things are picking back up. I'm sorry this happened to you. But I'm glad you, were, you seem to be coming out the, the other end of it. Thanks to many of my wonderful Twitter followers that defended yes. me. The the tick, the tickle nickels army. <laughs> a tickle that maybe that's that's going to be my new handle on Twitter altogether. Just the at tickle nickels army. I think I might fare better. I love it. And then where can yeah where can people find you online to to send you notes of of appreciation and not nice things? <laughs> yeah. Well, on on yeah on Instagram it is at tickle nickels, and then on Twitter. It's at Rachel Nichols and then the number one, not at Rachel <laughs> underscore Nichols. If you want to send love, send it to me. <laughs> at Rachel oh. Nichols one. <laughs> I love it. I'm sending you all the love, Rachel. Thank you Thank for being you. on here with us. Thank you for spending some time. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me.